Making sense? Making noise? Yep, it's coming out. That's good. Yeah, that one would be good too. Thanks, Jonna. What's got into you guys today? Yeah. Pretty cool. Oh, I'm going to sit up here today if that's all right. Cool. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. My chair keeps swinging around the wrong way. There we go. I used to sitting on bar stools. Well, we've been working through the book of Ephesians and we've come to what is a fairly contentious passage of Scripture today. It's pretty straightforward, really, but getting it worked out in our lives is really difficult. Paul writes and he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. That's good. As you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Did you hear that one, ladies? As Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I think we should just finish there, hey? I'm happy with that. Really like that part. It's the next bit that gets a bit tougher for us. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I wish Paul hadn't put that bit in. (laughs) And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. All good stuff. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their own body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. I want to take you back to Genesis because when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed them. And part of the curse that he spoke over Eve's uh, life was this. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to your children. Now we all know that's a reality. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So right from the very beginning, God almost said there's going to be a struggle in marriage relationships. It's going to be hard. Why? Because the wife is going to pursue the husband's role. And it's going to be like this contention to work out proper order and proper function and proper roles and responsibilities. But in Christ, we can get that right. Outside of Christ, that's a difficult thing to do, to submit to one another and to love one another and for husbands to do what is right. And so when we talk about marriage relationships today, I really don't want anybody that's not married to feel left out or discredited. It's not saying that being outside of a marriage relationship is wrong. And I know some of you have been through some really tough times in your life, in your marriage, so we're not trying to discredit that. In fact, we want to honour you. Now, we've got a lot of single mums here and we love you and you're as equally as important as any married couple in this place. So this today is not about taking the spotlight off you. We want to bless you as much as anything. But this whole thing of submission, 
historically, right down through the ages, has been a struggle. Any one of you that's married and hasn't struggled with this, then something's not right because it's really a tough one and it's hard to get it in proper perspective and in order. And you and I both know that in a lot of times it's caused a lot of abuse, a lot of belittling of women and men lording it over their wives. And it's really sad to see that even in like using passages of scripture like that, people have been pushed down and they've become second-rate citizens in a lot of countries. And I don't believe that's God's plan for a marriage relationship. So today we're going to have a, a look at some of these things. I believe God ordained headship to be gender-specific. In other words, it's the male role. No matter about your personality or what gifts or talents you have, God said it's a function for the male to perform. That doesn't mean the male's any better. We're, we're the same model of human being. We're just a different make or the other way around. You know, we're all Holdens, but some of us are Commodores and some of us are, I don't know, Aptivas or whatever they are. We're equal in God, in Christ. But Christ just said, male, I want you to do this role. Woman, I want you to do this role. And maybe it's because when God created women, he created them with greater capacities to submit than actually men. I mean, if God had flipped that around and said, men, you be the ones that submit, there could be a whole lot of headaches and trouble because I don't know that we would be as good at doing that as women are. Women are incredibly gracious and loving and will often put themselves second. And sometimes us blokes aren't that good at doing that. And so really God is saying there's a greater weight of responsibility on the man to be the head of the house and to set that in a loving context where he loves his wife like Christ loved the church. So submission doesn't mean that the wife doesn't have a voice. doesn't mean she has to agree with you on everything that you decide. Um, it just means that the husband is accountable for healthy order and loving function in the home. It rests on him. So today I want to reiterate that I believe marriage is a partnership. It's a partnership, but there are times in that relationship where the husband has to make a choice. He has to be accountable to God for that choice, and I believe he also has to be accountable to his wife for that choice. And in making that choice, there's dialogue that has to happen. But I have to confess from the very outset, uh, I'm not an expert on this. In fact, our marriage has been a long winding road of working this out. And, um, and we've had a, a long journey of trying to find a happy medium where this can work out in our relationship. But we've also watched countless other couples struggle. And um, today I'm going to get Cheryl to do most of the talking because if you don't agree, then you can complain to her and not me. <laughs> so she's going to be my scapegoat. But Cheryl's a, a counsellor and, and really when you, when you boil a lot of counselling down to its bare minimum, it comes out of this problem. It comes out of, I guess, a lack of, um, you know, historical teaching. I mean, how often do we teach newly married couples how to work this out? Do we actually teach them what submission is? Do we teach them how to work out how they're going to, you know, fight fairly or, you know, how is their marriage going to work? Sometimes it purely unfolds because we've never been educated. We've never been taught and never walked through how to build a healthy relationship. So, Shez, come on up here. No, no, no. We haven't got to the nitty-gritty stuff yet. 
Okay. Okay. So I'm going to ask Cheryl some questions, and she's going to answer them, so I can um, not get into trouble today. Should be good. So the question I posed to her the other day was, "Why do you think so many Christian couples struggle to build healthy relationships?" that properly portray this biblical model. And this is what she came up with. <laughs> so I'll try not to go too long over each point, but, um, and Mark's already touched on it a little bit, poor role modelling and family of origin. We all come from different families. So when you put a husband and wife together, they usually are coming from different families of origin. And so unless we kind of look at that to start off with, we're already going to have a lot of issues to start off with. So in counselling, we always look at the family of origin, where someone's come from and how those two are going to come together. The next one is unhealthy expectations. In every relationship, we always go into them with our own expectations and often they're not very healthy. We, we may think they're a healthy expectation but then when that expectation is put on to the other person, we realise very quickly that it's an unhealthy expectation. And when we do that, when we set our expectations too high, we set ourselves up for disappointment really quickly. So does that mean the husband's not allowed to expect bacon and eggs for breakfast? Well, he um, can expect it. But like I say, if the expectation's too high, okay. he may get disappointed to, very quickly. Just needed to clarify that one. That's all right. What's that? I know, I know. I know. <laughs> you are one blessed woman. Uh, the next one, absence of education training. Mark had already touched on that. So often when, um, when we're counselling couples who've been married for years, you realise that they actually haven't had much training or education prior to being married. So when Mark and I are doing um, weddings for people, we actually won't um, marry someone unless we do pre-marriage preparation, we call it, not counselling, pre-marriage preparation with them and looking at a lot of these things. We did it with John and Laura and they're still together. So. <laughs> I know, they're looking at me going, are you going to tell us something new? <laughs> You're just perfect. Thanks. Unhelpful thinking habits. Every one of us has a mind and we're thinking things all the time. And so to give you an example of this, about 15 years ago, we lived next door to another pastor and his wife. And I began very unhelpful thinking habits, um, not towards the husband, but I liked the way that he looked after his wife and especially the way he was with his children. He, he was so, one of those men that make you sick. He was yeah. rather perfect. He was. He was. Yeah. He, he and I should have had words. <laughs> I could see, I'd be like, oh, and Mark would be like, oh. You know? <laughs> I'd look across the fence and oh, the be, things he'd be doing. He'd be, be like, putting washing wow. on the line. But was that kind of thinking helpful for me and was it? helping us our marriage at all in any way no it wasn't and the more I allowed myself to think what a fabulous man he was what a wonderful husband he was what a great father he was then I began you start thinking well what's my husband like and 
and oh he doesn't you know and all this sort of thing and so it might be true but it wasn't helpful to our relationship insufficient communication when we do pre-marriage prep with our um, young people the the greatest thing we try and teach them is communication and um, one guy stood up in his marriage ceremony and he said I want to thank Cheryl for the big C talk and so it became known as the big C so I can't reiterate enough communication in every relationship is is really predominantly the key and you're going to see this over this whole time unresolved personal issues we all can have suppressed emotions so if we don't know how to communicate what often happens is our emotions which we all have they get suppressed and often it's predominantly more a female thing gets suppressed anger resentment unforgiveness all these things they get suppressed and we push them down and we push them down and we push them down because we can't communicate them but what happens when we push them down kind of like I call it a volcano and I say that because I speak from absolute experience one of knowing one who's pushed things down because I didn't communicate well and then all of a sudden the she's, volcano she's gonna blow starts <laughs> bubbling away there's a bubbling 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 he doesn't know where it's coming from and whoosh out it comes and I would explode and it would all come out and Mark would be like what the where is this all coming from coming from unresolved personal issues so it was my own stuff didn't really look at it didn't resolve it that's where it was coming from and sharing struggles together the first thing we always tell couples in counseling is it's not he has a problem or she has a problem or even you have a problem but we have a problem so even if it's just one partner coming and seeing us for counseling we will um, work with that person on their own personal issues but we always remind them you're in a relationship so we have a problem and even as counselors we kind of get involved with that we have a problem busyness we all know how busy life is especially in the western world so so busy and so therefore what happens is we often lack quality time together we we want to be with our partners but we're so busy doing work sporting kids kids things we're just so so busy and we want to spend time together but we don't have the time to do it and i want to encourage you today make the time because it's the most important relationship you've got outside of the father god okay this is so i know what the answer is <laughs> what actually before they do i'm going to put a couple of husbands or should i put the wives no yeah i'll put no i'll put the husbands in it so Catherine, could you tell me what the most romantic thing is that Samir has done for you? <laughs> Don't roll around on the floor hysterically. <laughs> okay, that's good.
Good on you, Sami. Looking good, mate. So, Nikki, why don't we put Brett on the spot? <laughs> That's good, mate. Some of you are going to go home stuff. really pleased and happy today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's good. Go really good. Excellent. <laughs> Anybody else want to be put on the spot? Every, all the men are giving me dagger eyes at the moment, <laughs> saying, just leave me alone, move on, Matt. Go on, Elise. Of course you can. <laughs> this is a very open church. <laughs> <laughs> Husband's going a little bit red. At least he did it. <laughs> Catherine's got another one. <laughs> hey, Sabia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You came half this time. Yeah. We're talking halfway around the world for you, girlfriend. He loves you. And he had the wisdom to bring you to Australia, too. <laughs> Okay, so Cher's answer this one and help uh -huh. help us understand. What factors help a wife live up to this biblical expectation? What can she do? Okay. Well, there's a lot, and we could have listed many, 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 many things. So this is just from mainly from my perspective, and you you guys will have more to add. But I believe the the greatest help for a wife is to know who she is in Christ, to know her identity in God. Because when you truly know your identity in Christ, then you know your identity with every other relationship, including your partner. So first and foremost, we need to get our relationship right with Christ. And when we have that love relationship with him, we're in a good place then to learn how to love somebody else. She's her own person. So we said before, she's not a doormat. Um, the old submission thing of, you know, we, we had a little photo and we couldn't put it up because it was all pixelated, but it was the 1950s version of the, the good wife in the kitchen with, you know, though, you know, you can picture it and she's just got the smile on her face and the high heeled shoes and she just was perfect. And she had bedroom eyes too. Really I would actually love, would have loved to have lived in the 1950s because I think I would have made a very good 1950s um, kind of housewife. So. But not everybody is that um, kind of person. So to be your own person and to be allowed to be your own person with your own mind and your own thoughts and your own values and your own judgments, yeah. When the husband is growing in God... And I didn't put the last bit in. Mark added that. So I think that might be something that he's been learning, living <laughs> unselfishly. So I just, I meant that, you know, when, when your husband is growing in God, when you see a passion in your husband to love the Lord, then you're going to want to be doing that too. 
So guys, yeah, grow in your relationship with God and watch your wife follow, watch your kids follow. Unconditional love. Um, Nikki was touching on this a little bit before. Um, there, so there's appreciated their heard time, but there's a book called The Five Languages of Love. So a lot of you are nodding your heads. Some of you have read it probably. Some some ministers have probably encouraged you to read it before you got married or whatever it is. But I encourage you, it's a life-changing book for so many people. And we even use it in non-Christian counselling because of the, the values in it and the and the precepts in it. So, so Nikki was saying before how... Um, She's not expecting Brett to necessarily do those romantic things for her because it's probably not primarily her love language. She doesn't need that to know that um, Brett loves her. So there'll be another language that she has that he has to tap into and learn what is that love language. But when you do that, when you learn how to give and receive love in any relationship, not just a husband and wife, but any relationship, children, parents, workers, colleagues, anyone, when you learn that person's love language, you can just see them come alive in front of you. When you learn to accept them as they are and meet that need, man, it's incredible. It's life-changing. It really is. And I'm quite passionate about that one, as you can see. When the husband leads the way by living up to his responsibilities, I believe that God has given certain responsibilities to the men. And as much as we, we, the guys like to say, we like this part of it, like Mark said before, we might not like this part of it so much, but I'll leave it at that. There are certain responsibilities that God says, men, that's for you to take care of. And false expectations and comparisons, I'll link the two together really quickly. And I think this comes in when you first get married and you begin, you could begin to, as a female, compare yourself to somebody else, compare yourself to somebody else's wife, or even worse, you get compared to somebody's mother or somebody else's wife. It happens quite a lot, especially in young, young married people. I think as you go on, you learn how to deal with that. But when you first get married, if your husband says to you, my mum always did the cooking in the family and that's the way it should be, do you think she's going to react very kindly if she doesn't like cooking? <laughs> because she may have grown up in a family. So say Tabitha has a girl. She has boys, but say she had a girl. And this little girl grows up in their family where dad does a lot of the cooking. Praise God for that. But when she gets married, the expectation on her, if her husband has come from the, my mum always does the cooking and that's the way it should be, puts a lot of expectation <laughs> on that little girl. We're talking from experience. Yeah. Men we mow are. lawns and put bins out. That's where it stops, starts and fin That's our job. <laughs> and clean up dog poop. Uh, responsibilities are there. That's good. I've learnt a lot. Yeah, well, that's true. 
This is my absolute, absolute favorite. When the husband truly loves his wife as Christ loves the church, she will willingly play her part. But often men don't feel fulfilled in their relationship, so they are unable to do this. So, so many times I've sat with people and have said, I know it's a challenge to the to the guy first, but I really do believe in this because I've seen it so many times that if if he would just make the choice to truly love his wife as Christ loved the church, he will see a change. Now, I've even said, said to guys, she may be the worst person in the world. She may be acting like an absolute, but if you will choose, to look beyond that, if you will choose to make a declaration before God that you will love her as Christ loved the church, I guarantee you, you will see her change before your very eyes. There you go. Got a few hoots there. That's good. Okay, now we're in trouble. What qualities does a woman look for in the husband's role as head of the house? That's not me. And there's our little couch potato. The, the only part missing with this is that he doesn't have the television remote in his hand. Well, I think he does down there. He, just can't, yeah. he does? Or maybe it well, fell he would, out. He would have if it was reality. It fell out. Yeah. So there's our little couch potato man. And we're not saying that this is what we're expecting men to be like. Um, that's just a little, little side thing. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> so, all my other things are very, yeah, not that. So to be the spiritual leader, to be strong in God, I believe women are looking for men to rise up and to be the spiritual leader. I know for myself that my number one desire is for Mark to be the spiritual leader. I want him to be the spiritual leader. I want him to take that lead and I will willingly follow. I'm happy for that. So but that means strong in God, not spiritual leader as in just taking that on as an authority thing, but strength in God does not mean domination. Okay, So respect. I think it's probably a guy thing as well. Most guys I talk to say they want respect, that, that you know, when they get respect, then they, re then they give love. Um, but the other way around also, a woman needs respect. She's looking for respect. Hmm. So take control, but not to not be controlling. That's what I was saying before. Um, some men are good at taking control, but then they become control freaks and they dominate. And women don't want to be dominated. They want to be loved and they want to be led by a strong, loving man who's in control, but he doesn't control her. Lead by example to children. This is a big one. I think women are often looking for for the men to be the example to the children. Um, it's a twofold thing. It's not like that. it's more of a responsibility on the man. It's not. It's a husband and wife thing. But when we see our husbands leading by example to the children, I find I can say 99 things to our children, or sh good or bad, Mark can say one thing and he leads. They just do it. They it there's a there's a more of a response when dad actually gets stands up and says, 
So he waits for the 99 and then does the one. And then the okay. So willing to admit when you're wrong. Now this, like I say, it could be the other way around too. I'm feeling like I'm kind of picking on the guys, but these are my questions. Um, I think women don't need you to be strong. They want to, they want you to be real. And so learn how to, how to admit when you're wrong. It's okay to say, gee, I messed up. I really messed up. And the woman will say, that's fine, honey. I forgive you. That's hopefully the good, good response. It's hard to say that word. I know. (laughs) Well, it doesn't mean that you're wrong and I'm right. It means it could mean any kind of wrong. I've made a wrong choice. Normally your wife's right. (laughs) You just don't want to admit it. (laughs) Okay. Because he's a fixer, usually. That's the one thing that you see all the time. The woman comes to you and she's like, I just want him to listen. But because... The, the man has not been, compute. Well, he's does been, not compute, does he's not been compute. created by God to be the head. And so the head wants to fix. And I think it's a wonderful thing as well. I want to say, praise God that he made man like that. It's a good thing that we have this man who wants to fix us, who wants to make it all right for us. That's not necessarily a negative as long as the fixing isn't the only thing he does as long as he listens as long as he shows that compassion and that caring because we don't always need it to be fixed we know you're going to fix it we just need you to listen as well okay able to handle family conflict this is an interesting one oftentimes in family conflict and I'm talking generally so often If a man isn't doing these other things, if he's not the spiritual leader, if he's not strong in God, if he hasn't learned how to take control but not be controlling, he probably isn't going to handle family conflict very well either. And one of the general traditional ways men handle conflict is they retreat. They just don't want to be part of it. And and hopefully if I just don't have to get part of it, it'll just all go away. It doesn't. And then the woman's left trying to battle this thing on her own, or even there might be an expectation that he says, I don't do this. I don't do this very well. So you need to do it. You need to fix this situation. And she's like, well, I really need you to help me do this. Be her champion when she is attacked. So these two go hand in hand and speak the truth in love to his wife. I just love it when I see a husband being his wife's champion because women get attacked. They attack themselves. Um, You can be depressed and be negative and attack yourself. And women can be pretty vicious as well in attacking each other. It's it's a horrible um, scenario, but it happens. And so when, when the husband comes up and he's her champion and he fights for her and he's like, I tried not to do the knight in shining armor or riding on a horse, but I love all those things. I love those old um, movies of him being her knight and her champion. And so I love all that. But also for him to be bold enough as well, sometimes he's going to have to speak the truth in love to his wife. And because we need to hear it. Sometimes there's things where women are out of line They're saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things. And I want to urge you guys, be bold. 
be confident, be all these other things, but also be bold and be strong and be confident in who God has called you to be. Because there are times when your wife needs to hear the truth in love. Okay, so what can we do to work on our relationships to improve them? The funny thing is when you look in, like in our lifestyles, our marriages are so important, yet we do very little to build on them or maintain them or to analyse how we're going or question them. And um, at home group on Friday night, Kerry and Andrew Andrew came up to me and said, oh, sorry, I'm not going to be at church on Sunday. We're, we're having time out. We're going away together as a couple. And I said, what are you apologising for? Like, that's what I want to see more and more people doing, saying this is a value. This is a priority that if we don't do these things, if we don't invest into these things, um, so yeah, anytime you're not here on a Sunday and you're away with your wife, you won't go in my little black book, I promise. Because <laughs> it's great. We should, and we should be encouraging and enabling other families to do that, like babysitting kids or whatever. I think it's a wonderful thing that, you know, when we get a license in a car, we've got to do all these tests and learning, but we just get married so easily. And yet we make such a big mistake because we don't invest and we don't teach and train. So what do we do? What do I need to do? <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What have we done? A lot. These are these are a lot of the things that we've learnt ourselves. So like we're not sitting here going, "Hey, we've got it all together," or "We've got all the right answers," because we don't. But we have learnt from experience. So that's what we're sharing with you today. Honest communication, 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 communication. It is number one. And Mark will often share the, you have two ears and one mouth, you know, do twice as much listening as you do talking. And that is so true because so often we do talking, but we don't do listening. Or even if we appear to be listening, we're actually not listening. So, and sometimes men can be very good at that one. Um, Fight or flight, learning, learning, learning about conflict resolution. Conflict itself is not necessarily a bad thing. We all have conflict in every relationship of life. I've never known one relationship yet that doesn't have some kind of conflict in it somewhere along the line. So learning learning your style of conflict and then learning, is that a healthy style or do I need to do something to learn how to resolve conflicts? We should always be looking at resolving conflict. Sometimes we're a fighter. We want to put on our gloves and we want to get in there and we want to fight. Other people, a flight. The moment there's a conflict, they just want to retreat. They want to run away. I had a couple once who the woman was the fighter. She was after him and he just needed some space and he would retreat to his cave as we called it. But what happens is she's going in after him and she's dragging him out by the ankles, <laughs> right? And I'd say to her, okay, you're a fighter and he's a flighter. And so they had to learn how she needed to give him some space. She needed to give him some time to think about his his response. He didn't want to fight her um, and she didn't necessarily want to fight. She just wanted an answer and she wanted it there and then. But he wasn't ready there and then. He needed time to think. So she allowed him time to think and they they set a time. He was happy with a few weeks. But she, she, that's, that's what it was like. And, and I was like, well, maybe you might want to make that time just a little bit shorter. And so they decided on, I think, 
a day. She gave him a day and even that kind of a long time, but a, a day. But by the end of the day, he had to come out of his cave and she wasn't allowed to drag him out. He had to come out of his own volition. Look out, I'm coming out now. And they would, they would try and talk and, and work through things. So, yeah. And taking turns to listen. Um, so we can have honest communication, but it might be one-sided. If I'm the one doing all the talking, then I'm not doing much listening. So we have to take turns at talking and take turns at listening. Did you know that 93% of your language is nonverbal? 93%, isn't that a high percentage? So we think it's all about talking and communicating with people, but we communicate through our body. And one of the main ways we do that is with our eyes. You all know that in the Bible, the eyes are the window of the soul. And as parents, you know that we can speak with our eyes, can't we? It's like, don't you, don't you eyeball me, boy. I, I've seen a few of our um, worship team speak to their children with their eyes and their body language. And it works quite effectively, I can tell you. No names, Ross and Carl. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so non-verbal language, I think we get the point. It's a, it's a pretty powerful tool. So we want to use it well. If we are going to um, use our body language, we want to use it for positive things. Find some common grounds. So like Mark said before, there, find some things that you both like to get, do together. And you often find in relationships, they're like, we're so different. We don't, we don't like anything the same. We'll find something. Think, think back to, and if you've been married a long time like us, you have to think back to when you first got together, what did you like doing? Do some more of those things. So find some common ground. Getting drunk and going to parties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll go back there somewhere. It's all right, Val. We're through that. Well and truly. We've been a bit of a mess, but we're coming through, okay? <laughs> Don't dwell on what they are not. Focus on what they are. So when you when we're training in counselling, they teach us that so the person's a hundred percent. There's seventy-five percent of of somebody, so it doesn't have to be a partner, it can be anybody. Seventy-five percent of that person that you like about them you admire about them there's traits and characteristics of that person that you like there's 15 percent that you're mm, not so sure of not don't know whether I like those things about him or her and then there's 10 percent that you absolutely can't stand about that person and so what we find in counseling it's pretty easy very quickly to figure out which percentage that people are focusing on so we can choose today which percentage of our partner or our children or our friends or whoever they are, which percentage we're going to focus on. So look for things to praise and affirm out of that 75%. And I challenge um, couples when I'm counselling them to find one thing you appreciate. When I was going through counselling, my counsellor taught me this. And at that point of time, it was very difficult for me to find something that I appreciated we were we were on really rocky ground our marriage was breaking up and I didn't really appreciate Mark and I didn't want to find anything 
So that was the point that I was at. And she said, find one, just find one thing that you are, can appreciate. And so it got down to just, well, I was happy that he put the rubbish out. And so I teach people that now because it shows that it's just a little thing. Like he said before, he mows the lawns, does the rubbish. Hallelujah. I don't want to do that. I'm happy that he does that. So learn how to appreciate and challenge yourself you know, the, to change. The best thing that counsellor did was Cheryl went first, which was probably good because I was never had any intention of going. But she convinced me to go to this council and the council sort of started the session and I was a bit like, you're not getting anything out of me. I'm a rock. I'm not going to share anything. And she just looked at me and she said, Mark, we have a problem. I said, no, we don't. Cheryl's got a problem. <laughs> She's been coming to see you. I'm just here to support her. She said, no, we have a problem. And when, when I realised that I was probably more of the problem than Cheryl, and then from now on we, we adopted that, whenever there's a problem with Cheryl, it's my problem equally and vice versa. Totally changed what counselling was about because it wasn't about finding right and wrong. It was, it was really about turning the spotlight back onto yourself and saying, God, how do I have to change? Like what are the things in, in Mark that Mark has to deal with? And when Mark does that, a lot of it goes away. And if, if your partner's doing that as well, then suddenly you find a lot of the, the baggage disappears and you've got a whole lot more good stuff in there. But that was great. We have a problem. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and then we have liftoff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so on just on top of that, when you challenge yourself to change, so when when I said, Lord, change me, when you say, Lord, change me, when God does that, then he makes those changes. But then what happens is that he changes everybody else around you as well. So instead of me saying, Lord, change him, I said, Lord, change me. And God did an amazing transformation in my life which then eventually did a transformation in his life and changes other people around you. So always come back to change me, God, and ask for help. Marriages and all relationships need maintenance. So ask for help from your friends, from your family, from your home group leaders, whoever it is, be real, be honest. We all need help at some point of time, especially in marriages. I mean, so don't struggle on your own. If you're going through difficulties, seek help. That's what it's there for. You want me? Yeah. I found a, um, this is not the actual photo, but I found this photo, this um, old, a photo on Facebook the other day of an old couple. They were lying in bed together and they were in arm in arm, lovely wrinkled old couple. It was absolutely gorgeous. And then there was this quote, when asked how they managed to stay together so long, the woman replied, we were born in a time when if something was, so to speak, was broken, broken you, you fixed it. You didn't throw it away. So recently I asked my mother-in-law who's been married for 50 years I said to her, give me some keys that I can help people in relationships, some keys to how come you and dad are still together, you're still in love, amazing couple. And that was one of the first things she told me. She said, Shez, we just did it. 
we just did it. We didn't have the options. Um, she said, we, we just, we fixed what was broken. We worked on the things that didn't work, but it was never an option to ever throw it away. And I think we can be really challenged with this today. Whereas when Mark and I had our marriage problems, even on my wedding day, I was thinking, well, if it doesn't work, so what doesn't work, I'll just I'll opt out. That was what I was thinking. I wish I had somebody who had told me all of this stuff before I got married, but they didn't. And so I, I went into it with really bad expectations. I wish somebody had said to me then, you know, you don't throw it away, you fix it. So praise God that he entered my life and we did fix it. And we are here today and we haven't thrown it away. And we can, and I can honestly say I love my husband more today than I did the day that I married him. So only God can do that. Yep, knowing me, that's true. <laughs> well, we thought we might finish off this morning by just getting all our couples to stand up. And we're going to pray for you. And if your partner's not here, that's fine. You can stand up. We're going to pray a blessing over your lives. And if you're gathering around them, if you're there, you can make your way to somebody and put your hand on them. That would be great. Want to pray? Okay. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. God, we thank you. We praise you, Father, for who you are. We thank you that you are the Lord of relationship, that you called us into that beautiful relationship with yourself. How precious that is, God. How wonderful we, um, how grateful it is, Father, that we can have that relationship with you. And then, God, you tell us to have a relationship with each other. Lord, what a privilege it is to have a a helpmate, to have someone that you've called out of um, all time to be our partner. And so, Father, I praise you for that. And I pray, Father, for marriages. I thank you, God, that you ordained marriage, that you called it into being, that you see it as valuable, Father God, that you see it as something precious. Yes. And so, God, we, we stand for our marriages, Father. We say thank you for our partners. Thank you for the good times. Thank you for the bad times, Father. I pray that you will help us, God, to, to be real and to be honest and open with each other, that, Father, we will support the way you want us to support, that, Father, we will, we will speak the things out that need to be spoken out. And, God, help us to be the way that you want us to be, the way that you ordained marriage to be. I pray that over each and every marriage, Father God, and I pray a protection over them, Father. I thank you, God, that you've called marriage into being and that the enemy, Father, has no right and no authority in marriages. I pray that you would bind him, Jesus. Thank you that you went into the heavenly realms to fight on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that you will keep us firm and you will help us to stand strong, that, God, we will not throw away the precious thing that you've given to us, Father, but we will fix it that, God, when it is broken, we will fix it. We will cry out. We will call out to you, God, and to others, and we will say, Father, I need your help, and I am asking you, God Almighty, that you will fix this thing because I do not want to throw away that you, which you have given to me. So I thank you, Father, for these precious ones. Father, I thank you for every relationship, God, that we have. 
whether it be husband and wife and whether it be children, whether it be extended family members, God, the people we come in contact with, friends, Lord, you have called us into relationship. And I pray, Father, that we will do it well, that we will do every one of those relationships well. And we ask that you would anoint us, Father, to do it, that without your love, Father, nothing is impossible. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So we call out to you, Father God, and say, help us today. Help us to achieve this. For those that are looking at future relationships, Father, I pray for the ones that are in this church that may be looking at future relationships. We pray for the lifetime's partner, Father, for our children, for for those that may have been separated and, and may find love again, God. I pray, God, for your lifetime's partner. I pray, God, that those people would be perfect, that, that God's perfect plan and purposes would prevail in those people's lives. Mm. For the lives of our children, Father, we claim that in Jesus' name. We claim the authority over our children, Father. We speak it into being, Lord God, that they would choose well, that they would choose your one, Father, and that would not go from the left or the right. And God, that when the when the one is right, they will know. And we thank you, God. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your discernment. We thank you, Jesus, that we only have to ask and you give. You are such a gracious giver. Thank you so much. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. And we thank you that you teach us all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, everybody. Big thank you to the worship team today. You guys were rocking. Yeah, really good. Thank you, guys. Go and have a cup of tea, coffee. Stick around if you. Stick around if you. Stick around if you. Stick around if you. Stick around if you.